This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to go down to verse 30. The first part of this message, I I still want to stay in the mode of honoring our veterans a little bit because I want to talk about honor a little bit. And then we'll go into talking about a different subject, which is really my primary subject today. So, Father, we thank you for the word we're about to receive. We receive it with gladness. We thank you, Lord God, that it delivers us. It saves us. It gives us what we need. Father, it is prophetic. The word is prophetic because it not only gives us a word of knowledge for where we are, but it's prophetic to give us what we need so that when we get there, we already have it. So we receive from heaven today your holy word and we give you praise and honor for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. So I want to look here at verse 30. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed, that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. Uh, But now the Lord said, be it far from me for them that honor me. And you're going to find out that some of Eli's sons were not honoring God and so on and so forth. But I want you to see this part. He said, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So God is talking here about honor a little bit. And he's talking about when you give out honor, or you are honorable, honor is given back. Now, I just want to say again, on behalf of the military men and women, we are here to honor you today. I want to give you the civilian's perspective. Me being born in this city, having not ever served in the military, I don't know all of your terminology. I don't understand all the workings and mechanisms of the military life. However, I have pastored military men and women for over 30 years. So I have watched men and women who serve active duty in the military go through all kinds of different things. We are right now in a 30-year commitment as a nation, going back to Desert Storm, uh, Desert Shield in 1990, and then Desert Storm in 91. So here we are 30 years later. And as I said this morning, there may not be a known conflict going on while we're in this room where there's actually fighting going on, but I guarantee you there probably is some going on. As you know, we just don't know what it is. And the reason I'm able as a civilian to stand here and to preach to you and have the freedom, when I leave here today, I'm not, I'm not going to be deployed. When I leave here today, I'm not going to be called into the field. I'm not going to have to go to some school or tactical school. I'm not going to have to have guard duty or be sent away for a few days. I get to go wherever I want to go today, eat where I want to eat. I get to go home and sit in my chair, sleep in my bed. So I want you to know as a civilian how much I appreciate 
the incredible sacrifices that our veterans have given us and do give us every single day. We get up, we go about our, our business, we civilians are you that are now retired, but you know the lifestyle. And I want to make sure that we pause for a minute and say thank you. Thank you. Because we need to understand. And so it's right to honor somebody. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that for just a couple of minutes. I want to give you some quotes. Honor is mentioned, by the way, 175 times in the Bible. So God really does put a premium on honor. You know, you can, be, you can lack in a lot of areas in your life, but this is one area God's going to require for you to understand something about honor. You will never get promoted in the kingdom of God if you don't learn how to honor people that deserve to be honored. You'll never get promoted. Now, you might make heaven. You might make it into heaven. I'm not saying you won't. That's based on the, what Jesus did. But it's critical for us to understand a little bit about honor. The fifth commandment is a commandment of honor. It says what? Honor your father and mother, which actually, he says, this is actually the first commandment, even though it's listed in a different order, which the Bible says has a blessing with it. So again, talking about honor. Now, I, I've talked with El Greco. He's a combat vet like a lot of you. How many of you are combat vets? You've been where there was actually stuff going on. A lot of you, of course. And I don't know what that feels like. El Greco has told me stories about when young guys first get there for the first time and they've never been in that environment. The first time they hear, they hear a boom or a blast and they're shaking. They're like, dude, you might as well get used to this because you're going to be hearing this a lot. Well, I want you to know I haven't heard that outside my house. And again, I want to say thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you for standing up for people like me. Giving me I get to preach the gospel. I, I see it this way. I get to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ for two reasons. Number one, God called me. And number two, I live in a country that has had military men and women fight to defend my right to do what I'm doing today. And if you are a civilian and you have any other occupation and you're out there every day, just think about this. You didn't have to pick up, you know, your arms that, that morning before you went to work. You didn't have to, you know, put on all the uniform. No, you got to go out on your job site or go to your place of work and do your business. And that's all because of a vet. So make sure you thank the vets. Well, I read a couple of quotes this morning because vets, honor is something that you, that you will give everything you have to defend someone else or a cause that's honor um martin luther king jr said, said dr king said if a man hasn't discovered something he'll die for he isn't fit to live thank god that we've had men and women that have taken the oath to defend the constitution of the united states of america and be willing to give their all and have given it because they found out there was something to die for thank god for that can you say amen uh General MacArthur said, whoever said the pen is mightier than the sword obviously never encountered automatic weapons. Can all of the military men say amen to that? I don't think when the shots are fired, you get out a pen and paper. You know, you're looking for something else. Here's another good, good quote. If you find yourself in a fair fight, you didn't plan your mission properly. Thank God that we have being considered, and we are considered the superpower on this earth. And a lot of people think that we shouldn't put so much emphasis on the military, but let me just tell you, that's the reason that we can go about our daily affairs because people know that we have a military and it's not wise to mess with it. Thank God for the military this morning. 
Thomas Smith said, this country's not seen and probably will never know the true level of sacrifice of our veterans. As a civilian, I owe an unpayable debt to our military, and I believe that, an unpayable debt to our military. So we, in our country, we observe Veterans Day, and we do it as a way to honor the men and women that have put on the uniform, knowing that at any moment they may be called into battle, knowing that they may not ever return home, and many did not. So that's why we should always stop and honor those who have served. And notice I'm using now, I'm putting a new word in that we'll talk about in a little while called serving. Because yes. they have served us. Yes. People who didn't know me served in my place so that I, can enjoy, I could enjoy the life that I enjoy. Can you say amen? amen? So honor is not just a feeling. Honor is about character. Honor is about conduct. Honor is about consistency, and honor is about your core, your heart. I've given you those before. Honor, again, is about your character. It's about your conduct. Honor is about your consistency because you, I mean, it does, it's no good for you to be honorable today and dishonorable tomorrow because that ruins the honor that you had. But a person with honor is consistent. You can count on them. And listen, just because somebody says someone's dishonorable, uh, usually the person saying that is a dishonorable one. Because honorable people don't go around exposing everybody else. The Bible says love covers the multitude of sins. Mm. We just got inside there for a minute, didn't we? No, if you have honor, the Bible says well, you conceal a matter. You try to help people. You try to get people through it. You try to help them change. You don't want to see anybody harm themselves. You don't want, the last thing you want to do is be the one that defames somebody. Right? That's honor for you. Um, honor isn't passive. It stands for what it believes in. It defends what it possesses. It fights for the right and rights of others. And it sacrifices itself for the cause. Again, honor isn't passive. Honor stands for what it believes in, defends what it possesses, fights for right and the rights of others, and sacrifices for the cause. Calvin Coolidge said no person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. And if a person has honor, they don't have to tell you they have it. They don't have to strut and boast and tell you how wonderful and awesome they are. And, and by the way, if a person's always telling you what they've done for you, they never did it for you. It was always for them. Because they wanted the recognition and they wanted the attention and they wanted to be able at some point in their life to pull that card out and say, remember what I did for you. That is not honor at all. Amen. Honor does what is right, whether it ever gets rewarded, whether it ever gets recognized, whether anybody ever claps or applauds, honor just does it because it's right. I've been married to Pastor Ginger now going on 40 years. It sounds good to say that since we just hit 39 a few weeks ago. Now we're going on 40 years and uh, I've, I've honored her from the day that we got married. And I've tried to be consistent in that, in that honor. But when I tell you about that, it's not, it's really, I want to honor her. It's, no, it's not because I'm such a great guy, but because it's right. I made a vow before God. I took her as my wife. I said, this is what I'll do. This is who I'll be. You can expect this out of me. So I don't deserve, a, I don't deserve you know, a medal for doing it because an honorable man just does what's right, an honorable woman. Can you shout amen? 
So again, uh, we're talking a little bit about honor. We're going to talk about serving in just a minute. Um, so as a matter of fact, let's go ahead and let's move into that so we have a little bit of time. Go to Mark chapter 10, if you will. Last month, we did show the video of uh, Creflo Dollar talking about serving. It was one of the best messages I've heard on that subject. And it sparked some things in me. Now, I was sitting there. Of course, we were there when he preached it back in uh, August at the Southwest Believers Convention. So we were able to not only uh, hear it here with you, we were there sitting on the front row while he was preaching it. And it really put something inside me. And I said, Lord, we just had Find Your Place Day a little while ago. So, but the Lord said, no, I want you to talk about honor and I want you to talk about serving the week of Veterans Day because again, that's what military men have done. They've served. And he said, after you have clearly demonstrated how much you appreciate their service, I want you to talk about serving to the body of Christ. So we're going to spend the next 15 or 20 minutes doing this. Are you ready? Mark chapter 10, familiar scripture. Jesus called them to him and said to them, now, James and John had decided that they wanted to have the premier spots in the kingdom of God. And they wanted to be seated at the right hand of Jesus and they wanted all of this and they came asking for it. And of course, Jesus said, I, that's not, I don't even do that. And the other disciples heard them jockeying for this position and they got mad at him. But Jesus tried to use this moment as a teaching lesson. Everybody say teaching lesson. Now, listen to me. This is really important. I don't remember who said it. It wasn't myself, so I can't take credit. You can either be, it might have been Creflo, you can either be taught by the people God's put in your life. That would be your parents. That would be your grandparents, if you're fortunate enough to have them. That would be a good and honorable teacher, right? That could be your pastor. You can either be taught by them or you're going to be taught by the storms of life. And it's a lot better to listen to the instructors that God's put around you so you can avoid some things. That's why when you come to church, man, you need to clear your mind of anything and everything and say, if nobody in this building gets anything today, I am soaking this up. I am a sponge. I'm hearing this word for me and I'm applying it to every area. Amen. Amen. But Jesus called them to him after they had this exchange and he said to them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles, exercise lordship over them. And their great words exercise authority upon them. He said, you know, if you've noticed these people that are in authority are always using their power and authority to trample on top of everybody else. In other words, they use their authority to lord over people. And he said, this is what you're trying to ask for here. He said, but in my kingdom, he's going to go on and talk to us here. He said, that's not the purpose for power and authority. Now, if God promotes you, God is not promoting you so you can get up here and you can beat down on everybody underneath you. That is not the way God's kingdom works. Or again, to exalt yourself up high so you look good. But of course, listen, the more you try to make yourself, oh, I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. Well, if you're trying to talk and make yourself look good, that's really what you're doing. Jesus had a real problem. There are a lot of people in churches today and some of them are in the pulpit. And now, now I'm not saying they don't love God. I'm not, but listen, just because they can say Jesus, but you got to look at their motives. Why are they doing what they're doing? Why do they say what they say? What's behind it? 
Because if they've been given rule and authority, what's it for? We were going to find out in verse 43, but Jesus said, but so shall it not be among you. In other words, when you get promoted, you're not supposed to start using that authority and position to go down on people. He said, it shouldn't be that way with you, but whosoever will be great among you will actually be your minister. He's also talking about your servant here. He said, actually, the more you get promoted in the kingdom, you should be thinking about how much more you can serve those around you. Now, he's not necessarily talking about um, with a tray of, you know, here's some cookies. Here, let me bring these cookies out to you. Although that could be a way of serving, of course. Amen. But he's actually talking about people, if you get into authority and power, God has put you there and given you some influence so you can take the people here and try to help lift them up. Is anybody home? Because if I don't get any amens, I'm going to go another hour at this. Because it's important that you get it. So let me try it again. Amen? All right. Now, stick with me because there's a nugget here. So the higher you rise in the kingdom of God, the greater your service should be. The Bible actually says when you go into a place, don't ask to be seated on the front row. Doesn't it say that? It says don't look for the best seat in the house. Don't, don't, now make sure you recognize me. You don't tell it, no. Now, we go a lot of places and we get seated on the front row a lot and we never, ever, ever ask for it, do we, El Greco? Have I not actually said, seat me in the back? Now, Dr. Barkley will not hear of it, but I try. Every time I go to Michigan, I say, listen, guys, I know you got a seat up there, but really, I'm good. Just put me in the back. Oh, no. Pastor William, you might try that, but Dr. Barkley's not going to hear of it. He's putting out, I said, oh, but I'm telling you, I'm fine. If you sit me on the back row, I'm not going to go, Doesn't they, don't they know who I am? I don't need that mess. Because the Bible says, if you get that mess, that's all the rewards you get. If you're needy and you got to have that, the Bible says you better enjoy all the claps and all the applause because heaven is out. You're getting your reward on the earth. Now, I've learned if you serve God and they're willing to serve the people that God puts in your path and try to help everybody you find, that God will promote you and you'll never have to do it. You'll never have to jockey for position. You'll never have to get political over it and sell your soul out. You'll never have to do any of that mess. The Bible says a man's gift will make room for him, not his mouth. Can you shout amen? Now, so the way to the front is actually to help others get there. So the more you help others get to the front, that's the way God will put you up front. It's an amazing way. But he said, now remember, the Gentiles and the rulers, when they get an authority, they just use it. He said, but that's not the way my kingdom operates at all. Now let's read a little bit more. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. Now, now, now let's pause a minute. So when you are in charge, your position may be different. Your your, um, requirements may be different. Now, I understand in this church, 
I am considered, if we want to use military terminology, I'm considered the general. Now, I don't say that boastingly. It just happens to be that way. Now, I can just tell you, being a general is not everything it's cracked up to be. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. <laughs> a lot of stuff, you know. And I've learned that the little privates don't always jump when the general comes around anyway. In, in the kingdom of God, I wish it would operate like the military so I could go and... But no, thank you. I'm not staying here. I'm out of here. I'm taking everybody with me, you know. Boy, if you got offended in the military, how many of you, now be honest, it's, and it's okay to say yes. How many of you ever got offended by somebody, an officer or somebody gave you a command in the military? All of you. Like, well, dear God in heaven. But did you say, hey, you, you, and you, you come with me. We're out of here. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. What kind of silliness and goofiness is that? So, so I am, I'm the general, but I'm also, I'm also yet at the same time, according to the kingdom of God, I'm still a servant. My chief goal here is not to lord over you, but to try to help raise you. I have no interest other than helping you become the very best you can be to go the highest you can go and I'm sure that's you know that kind of has a, a military parallel if you got a good officer or somebody there they want to raise that soldier up and and bring the best out in them and help them get to the places so that's where I'm at with this now God did not call me though when I say servant I'm not called to come cut your grass although I have done it I have cut the grass of some of our family members that were in real trouble and some of it you knew about and some of it you never knew about because I just did it but I understand my, see, my value's not there. My value's when I walk in the anointing that I have to serve as a commander to try to help you get as high as you can get. Now that's where I'm, I'm more valuable to you there than I am cutting, but I'm not too good to cut your grass. I can't have the attitude, well, well I don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't touch me. You know. I mean, none of that craziness. Jesus walked among the people, didn't he? Walked right there. The disciples would get irritated at him because they, what are you doing? And what are you doing talking to a Samaritan? We don't even talk to those people, right? So in the kingdom of God, serving is the, is the way to greatness. There's greatness in serving. Now, what is serving? Serving is, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm looking at my time and I promise not to hold you a long time because I need to read one other passage. Serving is an anointing to lift the burdens of other people. Yes. Yes. Everybody in here is really, everybody in here is good at maybe several things. Pastor Ginger is good at everything. <laughs> and sometimes it's a little disgusting and irritating <laughs> because I'm not. It's true. There are things that she didn't even, honey, have you ever done this before? No. You want to try it? Yeah. And then she'd be good at it. I thought, crap, I've been trying that for 20 years and I still can't do it. Yes, the pastor used the word crap. There you go. It's a synonym for doo-doo. There you go. Not the other word. So, uh, but some of you are good at a lot of things, but some of you are really good at maybe one or, I mean, it's just like when you do it, you're just really good. And if you're in a room of people that are doing it, you are just decisively better. What is that? That's a gift from God. Amen. Amen. It's an anointing. Maybe you went to school for it. Maybe you cultivated it. Maybe you nourished it. Maybe it grew. But ultimately, it came from God. Yes, and it's in you 
maybe to help you make money, maybe to help you raise your family, but it's also in you to bless people. Because serving blesses people. Serving lifts the burden off of people. Isn't it amazing when somebody serves you and you know they're doing it because they want to do it? Doesn't it make you feel great? Amen. The word honor comes up. We used another word in the last service that uh, when you serve somebody, you're esteeming them. Amen. See, esteeming them. I use this phrase, you make them feel special. Yeah. Don't we all want to feel special sometimes? Yeah. Pastor Ginger's been married to me so long, she knows exactly what I like to eat. I only like 12 things on the planet, so it's pretty simple. <laughs> Those of you, let me, if you're new to the congregation, let me help you. Do not bring me your newfangled casserole doodle doddle do that everybody loves because I'm not eating it. I only like 12 things. And I'm very basic. And I was raised in the country, y'all. And I'll eat me some mashed potatoes and green beans and turnip greens and a little bit of cornbread, not as much as I used to. Some unsweetened iced tea with some natural Splenda, stevia without any other chemical ingredients. And uh, see, some of this has changed over time. <laughs> And I like chicken. And I love me some chicken. And I, can, I like grilled chicken probably more even than fried now. Still like a burger every now and then. Sorry, Doc, but i got to have that little beef in there every now and then, a little protein. But Pastor Ginger knows what I like. And she'll say, honey, let me fix you so-and-so because it's special. For me, she knows exactly what I like. She's cooked it a certain way. Isn't it great when people want to serve you and they do something special? All of us have within us the ability to make someone else feel special. Amen. And it might be your spouse to begin with, but it should be a lot of people. It should be the people you work around. I worked out on the construction site many years, and a lot of those guys were messed up. They came out of bad homes. They came out of bad families. Most of them didn't have a father like me. I noticed a lot of them didn't. And these guys were kind of rough. I worked with some Harley riders and some guys that were rough and all that kind of stuff. And, and personally, I couldn't stand them. And I didn't want to do anything for them. And, and in my own personal flesh, if I'd have got in my flesh, I'd see them pull up out on the job and I'd think, dear God, don't be coming to this house. Please go to the one down the road. Please don't work over here the same place I am today. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want you around me. Brrr, there they come right up there. Pull right up in the front door. I'm like, oh God. But I knew after a while I had to get it in my heart. God was sending them across my path because I had something for them. See, people that you don't even like, people that may be far away from God, God puts them around you because you have something for them. It's called an anointing and serving is where it begins. Now, we're going to finish this by going over, we're going to read, uh, boy, I have, you know, I've skipped about a thousand different verses here, which uh, maybe we'll get back on this at another time. Um, is it 13? Lord, give me a, let's go to John 13, I think it is. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. John 13, we'll begin to fix it. Think about getting ready to start closing here. Don't you love those southern colloquialisms? All right. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world. So Jesus knew he was about done with his ministry. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Isn't that a beautiful passage? The problem with most of God's people is they don't see things out to the end. Because they get mad, get offended, get upset, get enraged when they should have stuck it out. Well, how am I going to stick it out after that? Well, if you're 
the mature Christian you tell everybody you are, you will stick it out. You'll shock everybody by being able to handle it. Verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So they finished with their supper. The disciples are there. Judas has already sold out in his heart. Not necessarily got the 30 pieces of silver yet, but in his heart, it's a done deal. He's tired of Jesus. Jesus has not exalted himself as a king. He wanted a king now. He didn't like this idea of Jesus acting like he was serving. By the way, if you'd have read back over Mark, the other verse that said the Son of Man came to minister or to serve people. He didn't like that. Judas wanted, he, Judas wanted Jesus to have a kingdom at his time so he could get a position. And he didn't like it when Jesus started talking about, I'm going to die and I'm going to be gone. Well, I'm out of here then. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Now think about what he knew. He knew everything. By this time in Jesus' ministry, he's not that little boy anymore. He knows who he is. He knew he came from God. He knew what his mission was, and he knew what he had to do. He had all that knowledge was with him. Here's what he did. Now he knows by this time he's about to do something that's going to make him not only the son of God, actually God is going to call him God. If you read the book of Hebrews, after he was raised from the dead, he said unto the son, thou art God. I mean, he says that to him. He knows that he is, he's going to suffer and die, but he knows he's going to be raised up and be king of kings and lord of lords. And even with that knowledge that he's going to be over every single being anywhere, what does he do? Get up and put on a robe and start strutting around and tell everybody, you boys better get in line because you don't know who I am. You better, you better get down on your knees now and kiss my feet and try to get things right before I get out of here. Which is what people with power usually do yeah. that misuse it. Yeah. No, he raises or rise from supper and laid aside his garments. It doesn't mean he was naked because he took a towel and girded himself. So he probably put on the garments of a servant. He took off the robe he had. And he probably, this is what they would do. They had a robe that they would have there when people would come in from traveling. They walked all the places they went. Their feet were dirty and dusty. And it was customary for you to take that other special uh, cloth off and get a towel because you're about to get filthy. You're about to wash people's feet. Yeah. So Jesus gets ready to do that. And after he pours water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet. Do you see that? This is the Son of God here. And he's not demanding that they serve him. He's not saying, now look who I am and I did this and I did that and I did this over here. You better remember what I did and I'm, I'm the guy. Actually, he takes on the form of a servant and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Do you see this picture? Then come he to Simon Peter. Boy, we know that if anybody's going to have anything to say, it's going to be Peter. <laughs> Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Or southern slang, what the heck you doing washing my, washing my feet? <laughs> In the south, right? What the heck you doing washing my feet? Right? Jesus answered, said to him, what I do now, what I do thou knowest not now. You don't understand what's really going on here. 
There's something really big happening here, and I know you don't know it. He said, you'll, you'll understand it one day. Peter said to him, well, you'll never wash my feet. Huh. Jesus answered said, if I wash you not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, I've been thinking about it. I need a bath. <laughs> Just go ahead and get me all over. <laughs> That's my translation. <laughs> That's the WLT, William Lupin translation. <laughs> what translation is that? The WLT. So he's teaching them this thing about serving. Now, we won't go through the whole story because we're just really out of time, out of time. Know you not what I've done to you, he said in verse 12 after he finished washing all their feet and he put his other garment back on. He said, you called me master and Lord. And he said, you were right, I am master and Lord. But if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. He said, if I, being your Lord and Master, and you know who I am, if I have humbled myself and have showed you how critical it is to serve, then you got to stop this bickering and fighting and, and backbiting and trying to suck people out and suck people in and turn people against other people and all this craziness. you got to stop all that. You know, when you get offended, the first thing you ought to do is serve the person that offended you. Didn't it say that over in Hebrews? Heaping coals of fire over their head? It's what it tells you to do. If your enemy is thirsty, what does it say? Let him dry out and die up and blow away. What does it say? What does it tell you to do? Give him water. Wow. That is backwards thinking. Actually, it's right thinking. So if someone offends you, I'll finish with this because I told it this morning. When I was out on the job at 9.30 in the morning, about 2 or 2.30 now, I see Marco's back there and I know Marco's in contract and then it may be, I haven't been on that kind of job site, Marco, in 25 years. Back when I was doing it from 74 to 94, those 20 years when I was out there, every morning at 9.30 and about 2.30, if you were on a job site and there were two or three or four different type of contractors there, let's say plumbers, painters, carpenters, electricians, uh, and, and you all knew each other. And back then we pretty much all did. We worked, a, we all worked for the same contractor. We got to see each other a lot. I didn't like a lot of them. Uh, I'm just telling the truth. And, uh, but you would go for break at 930 in the morning or 230, someone would make us run to the store. And the, whoever that person was, they say, what would you like to drink? And then they would give you the list of whatever soft drink you wanted. And you'd get them a little pack of cheese crackers or peanut butter crackers. And you'd bring it back. And, and everybody would stand around for 15 or 20 minutes and shoot the breeze. And you'd drink that Coke and cool off a little. Yada, yada. And, and, and I didn't like some of these guys. And if, if I'd have done what I wanted to, I'd have brought them some cyanide. Praise God. But I didn't. Thank God I'm a Christian. Thank God the Spirit of God got hold of me. But I was going one day and I thought, Lord, I, don't, I didn't want them at the house today, man. I mean, oh, Jesus. And the Lord said, stop it. I put you there for a reason. I put them in your life for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you're painting Jesus on the top of all these roofs. They hear you playing all that Jesus rock music you're playing and those preaching tapes. Now, you, got, you better straighten up. 
Now you quit, you quit thinking about what they can't do for you and you just do something for them. So I went, I'd make the runs and I'd go get all this stuff. And if I had the extra money, which wasn't very often in those days, but if I did, a lot of times the person who I couldn't stand the most, the, the one plumber that I just wished would not have shown up that day, showed up. The big mouth. Ugh. I would buy their drink. And I did that so many times. And let me tell you how many times those guys eventually would come to me and say, hey, man, uh, listen, man, I've been a little hard out here. I'm sorry. Uh, can you pray for me? Are you listening to me? Sometimes the person that offends you is the person you need to do something for. Because here's what will happen. Even if it doesn't break what's in them, it'll break what's in you. It'll break it inside of you. Because the devil wants to, you know, the devil likes to throw wood on the fire. The Bible says where there's no tail bearer, the, the fire goes out. You don't want to be the one that's keeping the fire going. You want to be the one that's bringing the water to the fire. It's a man, I'm not a part of that. I'm not being a part of it. So, in conclusion, again, we're talking about the greatness of serving. Serve. You all, we're, we're all called to serve. We're all called to serve. All of us. Whether you're up here, whether you're up there, whether you're greeting, whether you're sitting, we're all called to serve. Serve where? Serve everybody. Serve in your family. Serve at your job. That person on the job again that you don't like, go get them their coffee and no, don't accidentally spill it on them. Amen. In your church, you ought to be serving. When you serve, there are things inside of you, anointings that come out you didn't know about. Creflo talked about how he'd never played a musical instrument in his life, and he was in a church where the whole music team, I think, left or quit or something, and he looked up there and saw a pastor now, doesn't even have a music team, and he went to the Lord and said, what am I supposed to do? The Lord said, go, get, go sit down at the piano. And he sat there and the Lord began to work with him and he taught himself how to play piano. There was a no, and he, he started leading worship in his church didn't even know what he was doing. But because he had a heart to serve, the anointing came. Amen. Amen. I love when I go out to eat a lot of times, we go out to eat a lot because in our profession it's just what you do. Uh, and those little servants that come around, those little waiters and waitresses that come around, of course, we always talk to them and love on them, pray for them, always leave them a big tip, always leave them a big tip, always leave them a big tip. If I don't have enough money, then I'm going to order the $7 thing instead of the $14 thing so I can leave them a better tip. But I also like to, sometimes we've had them sit down at our table and pray with us, haven't we? We say, come over here and sit down. Let us love on you a little bit. And they're like, oh, oh, you know. Oh, I'm like, yeah, sit down here. We want to pray for you. Do you see how you lift people's burdens? Amen. Now, oh, one last quote. I promise you we're done. This is a Dr. King quote, too. It's one of my favorites. Hold on a minute. You're gonna like, you know this one, but I'm going to give it to you. Give me just a minute. I'll find it. Everybody, you know this one, but I'm going to read it all because you don't know all of it probably. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. That was Dr. King. Here's another one, last one. 
Life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.